BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Maryland. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code OLDLINE150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Maryland today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Maryland only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days from issuance. Please play responsibly. For help, visit mdgamblinghelp.org or call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM National Harbor. Promotional not available in Washington, D.C. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Well, good afternoon, everybody. Um, hopefully everybody's having a fantastic week. It is Thursday, February 8th. The first month of the year is already a week over. Doesn't feel like it, but we're moving right along here. Um, I'm wearing my Jurassic Park shirt for those watching the YouTube live. Um, this has been a topic that I've wanted to talk about for quite a while. <clears throat> Fasting. Fasting is defined as going without food for an extended period of time, um, not necessarily without water or nutrients or anything like that, but uh, abstaining, right? So um, I used to do a lot of fasting back in the day, but I don't really do it anymore. Um, so I wanted to tackle this today, and it seems like there's a lot of debate around it, but it, people think it's like a lot more of a nuanced topic than it really is, but I really don't see too much nuance with it. Like I used to once think that it was a lot bigger of a deal than it is, but uh, it's it's not really. So we're going to break it down today. Um, I figured I would do this show Thursday because I didn't have really uh, much else going on. Um, you know, cool shows coming forth in the coming weeks, of course. But um, yeah, I guess without further ado, make sure you hit all the links below so you can find me on Twitter, Facebook, A Common Crown, and buy all the wonderful supplements at TigerFitness.com. Also, DrinkElementT.com slash health to get yourself a little bit of a bonus salt when you buy through my link in particular. Um, love their stuff. And obviously, go to Fox Sons Coffee. I will be doing a um, coffee stream this Sunday. But yeah, go to foxsonscoffee.com and use code Kyle at checkout to get some absolutely fantastic coffee. I've been going without caffeine this week. So this is a little bit rough for me. <laughs> if anybody's done it, you know how the headache goes. And uh, yeah, it could be pretty rough. But um, I guess with um, all that out of the way, um, let's get right into it. What is up, everybody? My name is Kyle Matovic. I am the host of the In Liberty and Health podcast, where we talk all things liberty, health and wellness, and beyond. My hope is to encourage and spread the message of liberty, physical and mental well-being. I hope you enjoy all the topics we talk about with our guests. We're on all major streaming platforms, so please sit back, relax, and enjoy 
Man, I'm doing as good as anyone can do getting buried by his 13-year-old son on leg day. <laughs> I'm not going to apologize for not being on this podcast because I got to go see Metallica. So if that's a problem, kiss my ass. Okay? I am. <laughs> All right. All right. Good evening, afternoon, morning, whenever you're listening to this. If you're listening to it live, it is evening. <laughs> it is 618 right now here in the wonderful state of Pennsylvania. It's a pretty nice day today. I'm pretty stoked about the weather. I absolutely despise the cold and the winter. So when it's like 50 degrees out, um, I'm happy. 50 degrees and sunny. Uh, not as warm as I quite would like, but uh, I'll, I'll take it. I'll take it in the middle of February because it could be really freaking cold right now. So, um, yeah, I wanted to do this podcast about fasting. And if you notice the title, I've done a few shows, the Seed Oil podcast, the Artificial Sweetener podcast, and now the Fasting podcast. I want to put this one out there because, as I said in the intro, um, it seems like people really get lost in the details about fasting, and they seem to believe that there's more benefits to fasting beyond the caloric restriction that it poses. Um, now, what does all this all mean? We're going to break that down on this podcast and hopefully get you a little bit more closer to your goals. Um, now, one th- thing I do kind of if you are doing fasting in your nutrition routine, what I found to be very, very beneficial for myself, and what a lot of the people have said is beneficial for them as well, is, I hate to be a shill, but um, LMNT electrolytes, because um, it, when you're in a depleted state, which is... I apologize for the uh, choppy internet. My internet's been um, having a little bit of attitude issues lately, if you will. So um, it's very, very important that you keep your electrolyte levels up when you're fasting because it's going to help kind of keep you feeling good and also not, you know, get you lightheaded. And it's going to keep your physical performance up if you're kind of into that kind of stuff as well. So, um, yeah, go to, as I said in the intro, drinklmnt.com slash in liberty and health. And you're going to need some really, really good electrolytes. They have all sorts of awesome flavors. But if you're incorporating fasting, I think electrolytes are essential i'm going to be completely honest um people talk about water fasting or dry fasting i apologize not just water fasting but yeah dry fasting which where you go completely without water um i don't think that's safe (laughs) i definitely wouldn't recommend that Uh, i know you lose a lot of weight but that's because you're literally cutting out everything so yeah you're gonna lose a lot of weight so um let's kind of start going through some of the stuff i got pulled up here and if you guys got comments or questions then i will definitely answer those so let's start here with what is fasting. Let me make sure this looks good too. I always got to zoom in a little bit because you can't exactly see. Um, simply put, it means you stop eating completely or almost completely for a certain stretch of time. A fast usually lasts from 20, 12 to 24 hours, but some types continue for days at a time. In some cases, you may be allowed water, tea, and coffee, or even a small amount of food during the fasting period. Um, now when I did a lot of fasting, typically what I would do is drink water with electrolytes, um, or I would have some black coffee and my longest fast that I ever did. And I wish I had the app on my phone. I could probably download it and get it pulled up again. The longest fast I ever did was I think 133 hours. So, um, for those people who don't know, that's about five and a half days. Um, I literally started, my wife and I went on vacation a couple of years back 
And I got back and I decided, all right, well, I'm going to do, I'm going to do like a, a five day fast to just see how I feel. So I started the fast on, I want to say it was Sunday and I went until the following Saturday morning. And that's when I broke my fast. And it was kind of amazing to me because I really wasn't even hungry. So why am I telling you this? Because like, I, I think a lot of people have this misconception about fasting that you're going to be starving. And honestly, for me, after like the first or second day, I really was not hungry. Like my hunger completely went away. Now people bring up the growth hormone stuff. So like they'll say, oh, well, your growth hormone elevates to three times its normal level when you've been fasting for three days. Okay, well, the reason why your body has to do that is because it has to use circulating fat and other nutrients in your blood to, you know, maintain organ function and muscle tissue and all these other uh, bodily functions. So it elevates growth hormones. So that way it gets more out of the nutrients that are circulating within your body, not necessarily nutrients, but just all, all the stuff that it, it, it's basically helping keep the lights on with less. So I did a lot of fasting. I used to do a three day fast every single month back when I was doing the carnivore diet. And when you do a low carb or ketogenic diet, then fasting comes a little bit more natural. At least I felt that it did. Um, now, what are my personal thoughts on fasting now? Um, honestly, I don't recommend it to anybody. Um, you could argue that maybe I do some sort of fasting because I usually stop eating around um you know five and at the later not five but uh six o'clock at the very very late it's like 7 30 every single night and then i don't eat until five the next morning um i don't really think that's much of a fast <clears throat> but you know you do you um i don't recommend fasting because i do not believe that it's optimal for muscle gains um it's hard to get enough protein in when you're 200 pounds or over 200 pounds like i am and eating 200 grams of protein in two or three meals i mean that's you would be stuffed. I mean, you're literally eating, if you're eating 200 grams of protein, you're gonna have to eat at least like 75 grams of protein per meal or somewhere around there. Right. So personally, I don't do fasting. I don't recommend fasting, but, um, if it works for you, then it works for you. Uh, the 16, eight has been shown to be no, not incredibly detrimental to muscle gain, but it's not ideal. And if you're looking to eke out every last little piece in amino acid and protein to build the optimal amount of muscle, then, Hey, maybe fasting isn't for you. And that's okay. Um, you know, what I encourage here on the channel is always just do what's most sustainable for you, not what's sustainable for everybody else or what people tell you is so easy. You got to do this for yourself. So, um, that's the definition of fast or of a uh, fasting. And now let's do the definition of caloric restriction. Calorie restriction means reducing average daily caloric intake below what is typical or habitual without malnutrition or deprivation of essential nutrients. So this is kind of more what I do now. Now, fasting, you could still eat at caloric maintenance and be fasting the same way you could also be at a caloric deficit, which is what a lot of people use fasting for and be fasting. So um, let's say your daily caloric budget is, let's go with a nice even number, 2,500 calories a day. You could do an intermittent fast and still eat 2,500 calories a day and be at maintenance. That's not, like, fasting isn't really a diet. It's more of a way of eating, which sounds weird and almost sounds like, you know, you're saying the same thing between a diet and a way of eating. But, like, you could do carnivore, flexible dieting, or whatever, insert your diet here and still do fasting. But I think a lot of people typically do fasting by like a ketogenic diet. 
So um, what I do right now is caloric restriction, right? I do a flexible diet and I calorically restrict. So um, this is most sustainable for me. What's most sustainable for me may not be most sustainable for you. We need to figure out what works for you. Well, maybe not we, but you have to figure out what works for you. The reason why I'm telling you this is because um, a lot of people are going to tell you that, oh, you have to do this diet to be healthy. You have to do this diet to be healthy. Uh, you got to be vegan, carnivore, keto, low fat, high fat. But the truth is, generally, if you're eating enough food throughout the day, it, you're going to be fine. You could do like a multivitamin, fish oil, and stuff like that to kind of supplement your bottle, bottom line. But it's pretty hard to screw up your diet to the point that you're like heavily nutrient deprived. Um, for me personally, I like incorporating a little bit of junk food and then, you know, cooking with protein powder and also um, eating lots of whole foods, you know, lots of lean meats, fruits and vegetables. So I like to get a little bit of everything through a flexible diet, but that requires me to track my calories and my intake every single day. Um, for you, that may not be ideal, so you may not want to do a flexible diet. Um, so I, I just want to cover these definitions here just so that way everybody's clear and um i kind of wanted to read these studies but um yeah I, I just my number one thing that i always want to stress to people is just that like diet is complicated and very very nuanced but it's also pretty simple i know that sounds like a lot and it sounds like i'm contradicting myself but like if you just find what works for you and what you can stick to you're gonna be fine if you can't stick to it then you're probably not gonna be fine if you don't enjoy the foods the diet the lifestyle of certain diets, then you may not be able to do that long term. And that's kind of what we're looking for here is we're looking for long term success for the most amount of people. So um, that's also kind of why I go to bat against like the anti seed oil people, the anti artificial sweetener people, because I want to make the barrier to getting better health as low as possible, right? We don't want to make the curb higher than it has to be because like, this is food. This doesn't have to be like a religious battle, some kind of zealous thing that we need to fight to the death over. It's literally just what we're eating. Why can we not just, <laughs> you know, say, hey, well, this works for you. This works for me. And I'm just going to do that. Um, let me run an ad real quick and we will keep on going. All right, guys, we are going to take a quick break from the show to tell you about the show's sponsor. We are now brought to you by Fox and Sons Coffee. As you can see right here, I got the Den Blend Dark. Really enjoy that. Um, I've been drinking a lot of their Brazil honey prep right here. As you can hear, there's not a lot of beans left in it because I've been drinking it quite a bit. Um, just to tell you a little bit about Fox and Sons, why I support them and why you should too, is that uh, Stephen had started the company up in Michigan to help teach his son about entrepreneurship. Um, I'm all about that. And I do firmly believe that in order to spread liberty in our lifetimes, we have to support those who support similar values as us. And Stephen does support all the same libertarian values that I bring and talk about on the show a lot. So go to foxandsons.com, use code Kyle at checkout to get 15% off of orders, $25 or more. And there's always free shipping whenever you place an order that is more than $37.99. Um, find their coffee absolutely fantastic, and I'm sure you will too. So uh, one more time, go to foxandsons.com, use code Kyle at checkout to get yourself a little discount, let them know I sent you, and support the coffee that supports you. All right, guys, thanks. Back to the show. So yeah, my whole goal with this podcast is definitely to preach sustainability and success for the most amount of people. And yeah, definitely go to Fox and Sons Coffee. So if you are doing fasting... 
<laughs> I hate to bring it back to that. But um, if you are doing fasting, then black coffee has zero calories, so therefore you can consume black coffee on a fast. This is what I used to do all the time. I used to drink like two or three cups of black coffee a day when I was fasting. But um, yeah, once you kind of go, once you get used to fasting, I do think it actually is kind of enjoyable. And it's also kind of nice because like you don't have to think about food. Now, once again, I don't endorse or recommend people do fasting. I just had good experiences with it. I don't do fasting or practice fasting at all anymore because it's no longer um, consistent with my goals, right? I want to gain the most amount of muscle and lean mass as possible. So therefore, I'm not going to deprive myself of protein, essential nutrients to, um, you know, potentially inhibit the amount of muscle that I can gain. So I wanted to pull up this article here and we will just kind of read through this and, you know, take it as we go. So let me get that back up here. All right. Calorie restriction and fasting diets. What do we know? So you're under the contents. What are the different forms of calorie restriction and fasting evidence from animal studies, evidence from human studies, um, What's evidence of, uh, you know, human studies versus fasting and caloric restriction? How does calorie restriction or fasting work? What's next in research? And should you try either? You may have heard about calorie restriction and fasting diets and wondered why they're getting so much attention in the news. Aren't they just another terms for dieting to lose weight? No, they're not. Calorie restriction means reducing your average daily caloric intake below what is typical or habitual without malnutrition or deprivation of essential nutrients, as we covered earlier. In a fasting diet, a person does not eat at all or severely limits intake during certain times of the day, week, or month. A practical effort of a fasting diet may be fewer calories because there's less time for regular eating. So yeah, basically this is why I think a lot of people think that um, fasting is something that's very, very easy to work for them because they have like a mental block of time that they um <laughs> that they just do not eat so they don't have to think about it uh, jc i tuned in during the commercial it was weird not seeing the central red light <laughs> yeah well i used to record with the light on but then um the spark of genius was that my amp glows up red and i was playing guitar one day before i hopped on a show and um i noticed that the backlighting looks really good so now voila here we are um anyways um, these eating patterns are being studied as possible ways to maintain good health and live longer. These are not, they're not temporary weight loss plans. Um, interest in their potential health and aging benefits stem from decades of research with a variety of animals, including worms, crabs, snails, fruit flies, and rodents. Um, in many experiments, uh, calorie restricted feeding delayed the onset age related disorders and in some studies extended lifespan. Now, like I said, what typically you see in a lot of research in this area in particular is that actually it's not necessarily the fasting alone that's providing these benefits. It's the caloric restriction imposed. If you're not eating for, you know, 16 hours out of the day where you're awake, then you now leave a lot more time for activity and to not eat as much food. Because if you're just jamming all your food in an eight hour period, if you're not just cramming all the food in the world down your gullet, then you're more than likely to consume less and then therefore lose weight. Uh, given these results in animals, researchers are studying if and how calorie restriction or a fasting diet affects health and lifespan in people. Many studies have been shown that obese and overweight people who lose weight by dieting can improve their health, but scientists still have much to learn about how calorie restriction and fasting affect people who are not overweight, including older adults. 
They also don't know whether these eating patterns are safe or even doable in the long run. In short, there's not enough evidence to recommend any such eating regimen to the public. And I think that's actually pretty responsible the way that they kind of worded that last paragraph. Um, I don't recommend that people follow any particular diet. People have to find the diet that works for them and that, you know, they can do consistently for a period of time. Um, have you heard of the breathitarians who claim to live off of breathing and sunlight? I personally think most of them are woo-woo frauds. Yeah, you know what? I would definitely agree with you. I think that those people are probably frauds, and I, I don't think people get to life they don't get to you know 30 40 50 60 years old without eating because you you would die i mean there was a case study in a person who fasted for a little bit over a year and i think you can really look this up on wikipedia i want to say it was a, like 370 days or something like that and this dude just had like some cream he had like a multivitamin some sugar water and he did that over the course of like 365 days and he lost some insane amount of weight it's actually a pretty fascinating story to read um what are the different forms of calorie restriction and fasting a calorie restriction is a consistent pattern of reducing average daily caloric intake while fasting regimens primarily focus on the frequency of eating the fasting diet may or may not involve a restriction of the in, in the intake of calories during non-fasting times there are a variety of fasting diets sometimes called intermittent fasting you may have read about time restricted feeding meals are consumed within a limited number of hours such as six to eight hours each day with nothing consumed during the other hours so i want to highlight here I did time-restricted feeding for a long period of time when I was carnivore. I did, I, I would typically eat my first meal around like five to six in the morning. And then I would have my last meal of the day around like 1130 to maybe like 12 or one. And then I wouldn't eat until the next day. That was a form of 16, eight or, you know, what would it be like a, uh, 17, seven, I don't know, whatever you want to put onto it. But um, I did that because that seemed to be the most consistent thing for me and seemed to work well for me. Um, it was kind of, kind of say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers. Hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Sucked for like the nightlife kind of stuff. Like if you want to go out with people or something like that, then uh, sometimes I just wouldn't eat either that or I would just have to change up the way that I ate. Uh, what I found is that when I go to bed on an empty stomach, I tend to feel a little bit better. And there's research that shows that like your body likes to be at a cooler temperature, right? So the human body likes to kind of be at, I think it's like 62 or 63 degrees Fahrenheit. Whenever you're sleeping, your body likes to be cooler. And then when you start to wake up, your body wants to start to warm up. So if you eat a large bolus of protein, which I've talked about this a lot on the podcast, if you eat a large bolus of protein before you go to sleep, then protein has, um, what's called, um, oh my God, I can't believe I'm blanking on the name. Um, it's a very thermogenic uh, macronutrient. So your body through thermogenesis is going to raise your body temperature. So 
Um, if you eat 100 calories of protein, then 30% of those calories or 30 calories are going to be burned off in the digestion of that protein. So part of that is is raising your body or raising your body temperature when you you know once you're done eating. So if you have 100 grams of protein before you go to sleep, then not only are you going to have food in your gut and that may cause discomfort when you go to lay down, but you may also find that your body temperature increases and it makes you more different. It makes it more difficult to sleep for you. Um, I think intermittent fasting helped me a lot when I lost a lot of weight, but I was also eating healthy for the first time in my life. And yeah, I mean, it will help, but once again, you're cramming in the amount of food that you're eating into a small window within the day. Um, the main thing I did, it did was help me stay disciplined and not just aimly snack all day between meals. Yeah. And that seems to be what happens for a lot of people when they start to do fasting. And this is why I think it should be looked at as like a useful tool. You don't want to like evangelize for this. But the fact is that like, hey, for some people, this may be very, very useful for them as a tool to help them lose weight. So let me continue on with the article here. Sorry, I went to the wrong one. Um, alternate day fasting, eating unrestricted every other day. No or minimal calories can be consumed on these days in between. 5-2 eating pattern, eating is unrestricted for five days straight each week, followed by two days of restricted caloric intake. Periodic fasting, caloric intake is restricted for multiple consecutive days, such as five days in a row, once a month, and unrestricted on all other days. Um, like I said, the only one I really did was time-restricted feeding, and then I would just do like a couple days of fasting every month. Uh, like I said, I do not recommend that anymore, but if it works for you, then it works for you. Um, what's the evidence from animal studies? Um, we can kind of cover this, but I really don't see the use in covering animal studies. Um the reason why is because like you can get an idea of what's going on but i care more about human outcomes because we're humans <laughs> i don't want to talk about rodents i don't want to talk about um you know crab fish or whatever like mice serve as a good proxy for humans because they have very very similar social behaviors and to my understanding they also have like a similar bowel a similar bowel setup so that's kind of what makes them ideal for like a teasing out something that may happen in humans but uh overall we shouldn't get too hung up on like mechanistic studies mechanistic data or mice studies or mice data because i think that it, it doesn't always pan out to the way that it um, may play out in humans so what's the evidence from human studies of calorie restriction some study results suggest that calorie restriction may have health benefits for humans but more research is needed before we understand its long-term benefits there are no data in humans on the relationship between calorie restriction and longevity some people have voluntarily practiced extreme degrees of calorie restriction over many years in the belief that it will extend lifespan or preserve health Studies on these individuals have found markedly low levels of risk factors for cardiovascular disease and diabetes. The studies have also found that many other psych physiologic effects whose long-term benefits and risks are uncertain, as well as reductions in sexual interest and the ability to maintain body temperature in cold environments. Um, now, this could definitely go to a little bit of what I was saying earlier. If you're reducing overall calories, then some people may reduce protein intake and your body may be a little bit colder. You're not going to be burning off as much energy because you're not taking in as much energy. And like carbohydrates and fat both have a little bit of uh, thermogenic activity as well, but not nearly the same amount as protein. Um, these people generally consume a variety of nutritional supplements, which limits knowing which effects are due to calorie restriction versus other factors. To conduct a more rigorous study of calorie restriction in humans, the NIA supported a pioneering clinical trial called the Comprehensive Assessment of Long-Term Effects of Reducing Calor er, and Intake of Energy, Calorie. Oh, wow. 
<laughs> in calorie 218 young and middle-aged normal weight or moderately overweight adults were randomly divided into two groups people in the experimental group were told to follow a calorie restriction diet for two years while those in the control group followed their usual diet the study was designed to have participants in the experimental group eat 25 percent fewer calories per day than they had regularly consumed before the study um one thing i kind of want to highlight here is that like when you tell people to do things and the study isn't tightly controlled then you start to leave room for error so some people may ask, okay, well then why can't we do more tightly controlled studies? Because you have to pay people a lot to basically be in what you would call food jail, where you literally sit in a metabolic ward and you do activities and then you sit around and you do nothing and your all your meals are prepared and they may not always be enjoyable. So, you know, how much, what do you have to do? How much do you have to pay to get people to sit in a metabolic ward and basically just eat whatever's prepared for them? Like, that doesn't sound very fun to me. And I don't think it sounds very fun to a lot of other people. So that's why, like, when it comes to these fasting or, you know, caloric restriction kind of deals um, in tightly controlled settings, it's a little bit difficult because, once again, how are you going to get all these people to voluntarily go into the study and just do, like, nothing? Um, although they did not meet this target... There you go. It's not tightly controlled. So therefore people are subject to error and that's fine. They're not bad people, but you know, sometimes stuff just happens. They reduce their cal caloric intake geez, <laughs> by 12% and maintained on average a 10% loss in body weight over two years. A follow-up study two years after the intervention ended found that participants had sustained much of this weight loss. Um, it's important to note that calorie restriction regimens are not starvation diets. The weight loss achieved with the calorie restriction in the calorie trial um, resulted in body weights within the normal or overweight range. Compared to participants in the control group, those in calorie restriction group had reduced risk factors, low blood or lower blood, bl sorry, <laughs> lower blood pressure and lower cholesterol for age-related diseases such as diabetes, heart disease, and stroke. They also showed decreases in some inflammatory markers and thyroid hormones. There's some evidence that um, that lower levels of these measures are associated with longer lifespan and diminished risk for age-related diseases. Moreover, in the calorie-restricted individuals, no adverse er, effects and some favorable ones were found on quality of life, mood, sexual function, and sleep. Um, the calorie restriction intervention did cause slight declines in bone density, lean body mass, and aerobic capacity, um, the ability of the body to use oxygen during exercise. However, these declines were generally no more than expected based on participants' weight loss. Other short-term studies have found that combining physical activity with calorie restriction protects against loss of bone, muscle mass, and aerobic capacity. So I want to kind of highlight that last paragraph here and kind of elaborate on that a little bit. Whenever you drop your calories and you start to lose weight, then you're going to lose some lean mass as well. Like it's just inevitable. And lean mass isn't necessarily muscle. Lean mass can also be, you know, organ size, water weight. I mean, there's tons of things that come up in your lean mass. So um, one way that you can maintain more muscle when in a caloric deficit or fasting is to keep your protein intake as high as possible and doing resistance training is going to keep your muscle tissue stimulated so that way you maintain as much muscle tissue as possible whenever you're trying to lose weight. Um, what's the evidence from human studies? Oh, I'm sorry. I need to read this last paragraph. Um, so, some calorie participants also experience brief episodes of anemia, diminished overall or uh, diminished number of circulating red blood cells that carry oxygen throughout the body. Overall, these findings indicate that while the degree of calorie restriction and calorie is safe for normal weight or moderately obese people, clinical monitoring is recommended. 
So moving on to the next paragraph, uh, what is the evidence from human studies of fasting? Most research to date has focused on the weight loss aspect of fasting, primarily in obese people, and only a few small clinical trials have been conducted. More work is needed to determine which, if any, types of fasting diets have long-term benefits. Observational studies have, have been conducted in people who practice fasting in one form or another. In an observational study, the investigator does not determine the treatment to offer and does not randomize subjects into a control group or experimental group. Instead, the investigator records data from real-life situations. For example, one observational study compared people who routinely fasted as part of religious practice or for another reason to those who did not fast. Um, it found that those who routinely fasted were less likely to have clogged arteries or coronary artery disease. However, the study did not control for other factors that could have affected the results, such as kind of diet, quality of food consumed, or use of nutritional supplements. So just to kind of touch on that, um, fasting is typically incorporated with other healthy behaviors because people are aware that um, you know, for religious reasons, they may fast, but you're generally going to be eating less. So therefore you're probably going to lose some weight if you're fasting. So therefore, um, you could probably expect these people to be a little bit healthier if they're regimenting something that's is for some people difficult as fasting. Um, how does calorie restriction or fasting work after decades of research? Scientists still don't know why calorie restriction extends lifespan and delays age-related diseases in laboratory animals. Do these results come from consuming fewer calories or eating within a certain time frame? Are the results affected by the diet's mix of nutrients? Several studies have focused on what occurs inside the body when caloric intake is restricted. In laboratory animals, caloric calorie restriction affects many processes that have been proposed to regulate um, the rate of aging. These include inflammation, sugar metabolism, maintenance of protein structures, and the capacity to provide energy for cellular processes and modifications of DNA. Another process that is affected by calorie restriction is oxidative stress, which is the, um, the production of toxic byproducts of oxygen metabolism that can damage cells and tissues. Um, I heard this put one way once, and I'm not the foremost expert on this, but uh, autophagy is something that people bring up a lot. And autophagy basically is just your body starting to regenerate, you know, flipping over old misfolded or miscreated proteins and start to make them all new again. Um, I believe the way that this works is that like when you eat, basically autophagy goes down, but muscle protein synthesis goes up, right? So you're taking in food, which is going to help, you know, replenish glycogen, muscle tissue, and keep the lights on inside your body, so to speak. Um, now, when you're in autophagy, or your body is doing autophagy, which it is doing all the time, but like when you start to ramp up autophagy, you haven't eaten for a while. So your body's going to start to get rid of some of the stuff that it no longer needs. When you do a long fast, then autophagy tends to go up because the amount of calories that you have have gone down. So when you're not eating, autophagy is high. When you're eating, autophagy is low. Pretty simple. But like obviously the in-depth mechanisms and all that's way, 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 way more complicated. Um, several of these processes were similarly affected by calorie restriction in human in the human calorie trial, however, we do not yet know which factors are responsible for calorie restrictions effect on aging or whether other factors contribute. Research supported by the NIA has also focused on the effects of intermittent fasting. Um, during fasting, the body uses up glucose and glycogen, then turns energy reserves in, or uh, then turns to energy reserves stored in fat. This stored energy is released in the form of chemicals called ketones. These chemicals help cells, especially brain cells, um, keep working at full capacity. Um, this is probably why some people say that whenever they do a keto diet or fasting, that they feel very, very mentally aware and like very on point. 
some research some research researchers god i can't talk today i'm sorry guys think that because ketones are a more efficient energy source than glucose they may protect against aging related decline in the central nervous system that might cause dementia and other disorders ketones also may inhibit the development of cancer because malignant cells cannot effectively obtain energy from ketones in addition uh, studies show that ketones may help protect against inflammatory diseases such as arthritis ketones also reduce the level of insulin in the blood which could protect against type 2 diabetes um i want to kind of caveat and pause right here and my understanding is is that like keto diets don't actually prevent cancer this is like a mechanistic thing that hasn't really been borne out in a lot of human literature so i i don't think they're doing this but what some people will do is basically say that like if you go on a low carb diet then you won't get cancer uh i'm not a doctor <laughs> if you have questions about this go see your doctor i'm just giving you the information about fasting and caloric restriction um that being said uh, I, I don't think if you go on a keto diet, you're going to completely 100% alleviate your potential of getting cancer. I think that's irresponsible to say that it would, um, why the science is uncertain. Um, oh, I'm sorry. I need to read that last paragraph, but too many ketones in the blood can have harmful health effects. This is one of the reasons researchers want to understand more about how calorie restriction diets work before recommending them. Um, why the science is uncertain. Despite a lot of research on calorie restriction and fasting, there are no form conclusions, firm conclusions about the benefits for human health. Here's a summary of the reasons why. Most of the relevant studies have been conducted in laboratory and animal models from yeast cells to primates. These findings do not necessarily apply to humans. This is what I said earlier and why you should be careful when people start bringing up studies about mice and stuff like that. Uh, most clinical trials with humans have been short, a few weeks or months, conducting overweight subjects and focused on weight loss rather than aging process the longest trial so far calorie lasted two years which isn't long enough to learn about the long-term health effects of calorie restriction these clinical trials have typically recruited adults age 60 or younger so the results don't necessarily apply to children or people older than the age of 60. a tremendous number of organic and chemical processes keep the human body functioning researchers must sort out how these processes are affected under different dietary conditions humans are quite different from each other in terms of gender size age genetics environment lifestyle and other factors an eating pattern that's found to help with one person might not have the same effect on another and this is a point that i was making earlier just because intermittent fasting or keto or whatever works for you doesn't mean it's going to work for somebody else. And there's, for some people, they may not feel well on these diets and, you know, their overall activity may go down and, you know, therefore they may burn less calories throughout the day. Um, as a wise man once said, there are no solutions, only trade-offs. With animal studies, the researcher provides the food so, um, the food so knows how much has been eaten and when this kind of reliable evidence is harder to obtain in human studies although new techniques can objectively measure overall caloric intake it is still challenging to get accurate reports of um, diet information from individuals going about their lives what's next in research um i just want to kind of talk about that last paragraph a little bit more that last sentence let me uh um you can't control humans too tightly right i mean i think we see this with the way people talk about politics and the way that we all kind of interact if you try to just intervene in people's lives and you know put a noose around their neck and make sure that you know you they do exactly what you say eventually you can only grab on and pull for so long before people just say fuck it i'm done you know um 
So most calorie restriction and fasting diet studies have been in younger people, but researchers are beginning to study older adults. A clinical trial conducted by the NIA assessing 5-2 diets in, ob in obese people aged 55 to 70 with insulin resistance, a condition in which cells do not respond normally to the hormone insulin. This can lead to serious diseases such as diabetes. People in the experimental group can eat at will for five days and then for two consecutive days are restricted to 500 to 600 calories per day. The experiment is designed to find out how eight weeks of the 5-2 diet compared to a regular diet affects insulin resistance and the brain chemicals that play a role in Alzheimer's, Alzheimer's, whatever, how you say it. People are going to get mad at that, but that's all right. Um, in the coming years... Researchers will continue to explore many unresolved questions. Um, what are the long-term benefits and risks of the various eating patterns? Which diets are feasible as a long-term practice? What specific biological effects on aging and disease are triggered by a particular eating pattern? If a specific way of eating is recommended, at what age is it best to start? And is it safe to continue as you get older? Scientists are exploring many aspects of calorie restriction and fasting and their effects on people of all ages. Some are conducting clinical studies and trials to learn more. If you're interested in volunteering, yeah, whatever we'll skip past that um <laughs> should you try calorie restriction or a fasting diet there's insufficient evidence to recommend any type of calorie restriction or fasting diet a lot more needs to be learned about their effectiveness and safety especially in older adults you may be tempted to try one of these eating patterns it's important to make sure that whatever you try um, provides you with a safe level of nutrition Talk with your healthcare provider about the benefits and risks before making any significant changes to your eating pattern. Meanwhile, there's plenty of evidence for other actions you can take to stay as healthy as possible as you age. Eat a balanced diet with nutritious foods in moderate amounts. Engage in regular physical exercise. Don't drink um, alcohol in moderation or not at all. Um, I'm sorry. Drink alcohol in moderation or not at all. Don't smoke. Maintain an active social lifestyle and get a good night, good night's sleep. Um, you know what? I had another study pulled up, but I'm going to be honest. I don't think it's all that relevant, and I don't want to um, really go over that or belabor the point much more than I already have. Um, so the purpose of reading all that was basically to tell you like what I've always told my audience and what I always tell people on Twitter is that do what works for you. Whatever diet, whatever pattern of eating, whatever you can do to help you get as healthy as possible, just do that. There's so many charlatans out there that are going to tell you uh, if you do anything but low carb, you're going to die. The carbs are going to kill you. The seed oils are going to kill you. I'm here to tell you they're not. You're going to be fine. <laughs> if you eat way too much all the time, you're probably going to get fat, and that induces a lot of problems. You know the issues. I'm sure you've seen people. If you've been to a Walmart or an airport, you probably have seen the issues. So, um, yeah, I just wanted to throw this podcast together real quick, cover that. Um, I'm sure this is something that's on a lot of people's minds. So hopefully it helped. Um, I appreciate everybody watching. I appreciate everybody listening. Um, in an hour and a half, we're going to be on cognitive vigilance. So make sure you go over to their YouTube channel, subscribe, like all that good stuff and make sure you like and subscribe here and share it with people. If you enjoyed it and you appreciate what I do, as always, you could leave super chats in the uh chat there and i will have that option on cognitive vigilance as well if you're watching on my channel although you should go over to their channel or um our channel and help build it up um yeah i think that's all for me right now i appreciate everybody watching and um until next time take care 
say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill.